Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Happy 4th of July to everyone. It's an off day for the World Cup, but not an off day for us. Brian Strauss and I will talk about our thoughts on the tournament as part of our podcast coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by J.P. Delacamera of Fox Sports. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss, not for once from his Moscow lair, but from my lair. We're in the same place, Brian. It's been a while since we've done this uh, where we could look at each other. That you're handsome. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We've been on the road for a while. Yeah. Um, It's a different hotel room than the one I had the last time you were here. My previous one got flooded when the rain came down about four days ago. For this room to get flooded, the ceilings in this room are so high. (laughs) That it would it would take it would take like the biblical rainstorm to flood this room. So I think we're I think we're safe. I feel like I'm in a museum wing. I, I am staying in by far the nicest hotel I've ever stayed in at a World Cup. Uh, but because my room got flooded, they gave me a much nicer room for good. the last. So week so and a half. for those of you out there who are listening, if you want a tip to get an upgrade next time, you're <laughs> flood your just, room. Yeah, just just arrange arrange for a weather event. Um. So it's July 4th. Happy 4th of July. Yep. Um, I like 4th in Russia. (laughs) In Russia. I like celebrating the 4th of July at World Cups. Um, So typically uh, we've hosted a 4th of July party. We had one, I remember, in 2010 in South Africa. Uh, We had a house. Uh, It was me and Gab Marcotti and Guillaume Balaguet and a few other folks from Sports Illustrated. and uh, it was one of those things where... What city were you in? Uh, Johannesburg. Okay. I was in Cape Town on July 4th. I remember that. And it was one of those parties. It was really fun. We had hot dogs and it was pretty cool. And then people we invited started inviting people we didn't know. And then it became one of those, wow, I need to get control of this party before my friend's house burns down. Um, so people have been working hard. Uh, it's two days off. This is the first of two. I'm curious to see uh, what happens... Uh, over the next couple of days. But there is lots to talk about still, looking back, maybe looking forward a little bit um, at the World Cup. And we're doing a daily podcast here, and we vow to do it every single day. So here we are, Brian. Uh, you were just writing down the games you've been to so far, and it's quite a list. I was trying to remember. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I got 11 on the list. Um, I may be missing one. <laughs> I may, I may have imagined attending one I didn't go to. Um, they all sort of blend together after a while, after three weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's good to have this this breather. It's nice. I'm glad they build this into the tournament. We got 48 hours to kind of kind of take a breath. Um, I'll be going to St. Petersburg tomorrow. Um, I haven't been up there yet, so I will be spending um, some time up in St. Petersburg, and I'll be there for the. Uh, what the, the 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 major semifinal, the varsity semifinal, <laughs> as opposed to the JV, <laughs> the, left, the left side semifinal, um, which maybe will be, you know, I guess I guess Brazil France if you're going, or Belgium the, Uruguay on, on the chalk, uh, but 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 maybe not. Um, so uh, so yeah, I've been to I think eleven games. Um, I was at uh, I've seen two penalty shootouts. Um, I was at the. England Columbia game last night. 
which was just madness. And, and, you know, even today it's been interesting to read a couple of other accounts and, and to read accounts from people on, on who watched it off television because you get, when you don't know a team, we were talking about this earlier, when you don't know a team backwards and forwards, when you're not coaching a team, when it's not the team that you cover every day, watching it essentially from field side, which is what you do at Spartak, you, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, you notice you notice the chaos and the disconnect more than you notice or or really kind of take in the plan, especially in a game like that where both coaches had to change things on the fly several times. Um, and so I'm still trying to almost sort of wrap my head around what I saw last night, um, and as I'm sure people in England and Columbia are too, um, and and Mark Iger's family. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, highlights so far uh, for me. Um, uh, I, uh, the Viking clap here, hearing, he, being being at the Iceland Argentina game, and 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 what that meant to those people, and obviously seeing Messi um, miss the penalty, and sort of see the, I I, I'll, I remember very vividly him walking off the field. This was also at Spartak, and so again, you're right there, and he was walking off the field close enough to you know sort of you know. I mean, I know I talked last night about throwing something at Hamas Rodriguez, and, and in my head, I'm I was thinking of the things I could have thrown at Messi, and I'm a sociopath. Like, you really are. I, I, it's really why is this why in your I, head? Why I don't know, man. It's really messed up. I have problems. Um, but but the, just the look on his face, the look on his face that that this is not going to go well. You know, um, I'm I'm up I'm up against it. Uh, I, I remember that that image and that environment. Um, really vividly. Um, I really enjoyed the Germany Mexico game. That was a game at Luzhniki where you're all the way up at the top. Okay. And so you can see the tactics, you can see the movement, you can see the patterns, you can see the strengths and weaknesses, and seeing seeing Mexico realize where the openings were wide against Germany and using them and using them and using them and watching Germany sort of start to panic and realize it, it you know, take an entire half to sort of realize how to even get anything resembling any sort of balance in their lineup and any sort of coverage and back and seeing that unfold and realizing uh, that Mexico, who since the U.S. has failed to qualify, was obviously a focal point for so many people, how they would do um, seeing them win that game and, and, and seeing them deserve to win that game because of the way they attack Germany. That was really cool, too. I enjoyed that. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think maybe... France, Denmark, not on the list. I guess. I <laughs> you guess. You went to that game, right? Yeah, I'm oh, gonna be God. scarred for a while about that. Um, and then I guess the third, the third thing that I'll remember, at least from the games I've been to so far, was was being at at the Russia Spain game and mm. just the World Cup games are. I mean, you're at the World Cup; it's amazing. But for those of you who've been to a World Cup game, um, if it's not your country, if you're not a fan, if you're not there supporting a given team. It's kind of a neutral experience, right? I mean, especially at this World Cup, where there haven't been a ton of fans from from European countries, and and um, you know the the Colombia, even Gareth Southgate the other night said or last night said it was you know Colombia at a, at a five to one ratio. We're in Europe. How um, crazy is that? Yeah, and that may be that may have been generous to to England. Quite yeah. honestly, I mean, it may have been closer to ten to one. Um, so. Uh, Either the games are are for one side or another, but but that side is still a bit muted because they're not really at home, um, or it's really a neutral game. You know, it's really it, you know you've got pockets of fans from, but but they're small and 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 the atmosphere certainly isn't going to be like 
at a famous club game. Bruce Arena said they should have scheduled a game in London, by the way. Of this World Cup? I'm just making a Bruce Arena scheduling venue joke. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, but obviously all that, throw that in the garbage for when Russia played Spain because you're, you're at the national stadium and there's 80,000 people there. And you could feel the noise in your, I don't know, your organs and, 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 and it was tangible and amazing. And to realize that Russia, you, you just knew Russia was going to win that shootout. I mean, you're there. I and, didn't. Oh, I did. David De Gea was in goal. It didn't matter. David, De Gea has let everything by him in this world. I'm just telling you, <laughs> you could feel it. You felt it in the air. You just, there was just no way Russia was going to let that opportunity slip. And Spain was just was just devoid of ideas and devoid of 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 inspiration and confidence and vigor and and it, it just you could just tell you could tell by the body language you could tell by the atmosphere and how many ideas do you need for a penalty kick shootout I'm just I'm I don't know I'm just interested in you saying that you could tell that Russia was going to bring the penalties because every assumption you would make is that Spain had the better goalkeeper the better players and but like when I told you last night, I knew Henderson was going to miss. I don't know. I just I I took penalties. I just have a th- some. I mean, I'm not right all the time, obviously. But I mean, I just I just knew. I just knew Russia was going to win. Okay. I didn't know who was going to win last night. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a feeling about Colombia and England, but Russia, Spain. I, I don't know. I just there was something about being there, and there was something about that crucible and Spain's sort of ineptitude within it that I just felt like this is going to continue. I would have been shocked if Spain had won. Um, anyway. So, so being in that atmosphere and sort of feeling the inevitability of Russia's of Russia's win, and look, everyone has made those jokes, right? Everyone is like, you know, memes of Putin on the phone, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, apparently, like, apparently, like every Russian player has run the dist- has like is an ultra marathoner. <laughs> Have you read some of these statistics? They're like a team of like anonymous Ivan Dragos just running everybody else into the ground. <laughs> Um. So uh, it's gonna it's gonna end in the quarters. Croatia, I'm sure Croatia will beat them. But uh, those are uh, that's what stands out. What about okay. for you? Your turn. So yeah, I mean, I literally have not been to a game yet at this World Cup, and that's an extreme thing version of a trend that I've in, encountered for a few World Cups now. I don't go to nearly, I haven't gone to nearly as many games as people would think I would. Covering covering these games is really a lot. I start every day the way I look at it with like 100% on my energy bar, like on the cell phone corner indicator. And everything you do takes energy away and there's nowhere to plug in until you go to sleep that night. So if I don't have to do something, I recognize it and don't do it. Now, maybe that makes me uh, less fun because I'm not going to games. I I will go to the final because I'll write off the final. But you've been writing great stuff for Sports Illustrated off these games, many of them in Moscow. So there's really not much of a need for me to go to games. And I knew coming in that my daily routine would be I needed to watch all the games. And I have. I've seen every game of this tournament. I could actually put together. go on TV at night and talk about them, of course. And because, like, my column – Five thoughts on the day. Every day, the final whistle, the final game on Sports Illustrated's website is about the games. Um, And there are other ways for me to get value from being here. So if I was able to go out and get a sit-down interview with Joshua Kimmich, who I thought would last longer in this tournament, I did. Um, If 
for this podcast, I'm able to do interviews in the second half where I'm interviewing people on the ground here. I do. And I'm also on the Fox World Cup Tonight Show every night, which I need to be here for. So um, it's been very different for me not having the U.S. here. If the U.S. had been here, I would have uh, been at the Fox Studio City every day except for the day before and day of every U.S. game where I would have flown out to that city. You feel like much more of an like that's the thing. This is my third World Cup, and obviously the first two I was with the U.S. every day until until it was you know until I wasn't. Um, and 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 you're you're so embedded in that, and you're so surrounded by that, and so focused on that that it changes the way you experience the entire World Cup. This has been really interesting because you're more of an observer. You're more detached. You're more you're 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 kind of you know flitting from team to team based upon logistics and schedule and sort of the random, um, you know, where you happen to fit into the space-time continuum that day. Um, you know, I you see Argentina in one game and not another and France in one game and not another, and it just is random. And you try to get a sense of each team and the atmosphere and the fan base and the scene, um, but you're still sort of observing, and it, and it's different from when it's your own team there um i was talking to a turkish guy the other night at one of the games and they haven't been in the world cup in a while and he and we were talking about this and he was like well this is how i cover every war you know is i've covered every world cup um and uh it, it's been a, it's been a unique um sort of different way of doing it but i feel like i know more certainly about several other teams and the narratives and the storylines that are sort of pushing other teams along as we get deeper into this tournament than I would have if I was with the U.S. Like my in my two World Cups, this is when we got knocked out, right? So so it was it was these two days when I was in South Africa when I was in Brazil where you sort of like okay, holy shit, I've been at every single day either with Bob Bradley or Jurgen or and the players, and and now you sort of rub your eyes and look at the bracket and see who else is in the World Cup. Um, as opposed to now where you're sort of following along and you have an appreciation for, you know, here's what Brazil's been through, here's what Serbia has been through, et cetera, et cetera. It's just very different. Yeah, and, you know, it would have been nice if the U.S. is here. They're not. Uh, But I've really enjoyed this World Cup. It's been dramatic, entertaining, surprising, crazy, all those things. And the craziest World Cup I've ever covered, and I've covered seven now on the men's side. Um, So... uh, that part has been very interesting. Uh, it's my first men's World Cup working for uh, uh, a TV rights holder, uh, which, you know, we've had a lot of hours to fill. And it's been a real work experience, you know. Literally, uh, we get done with the World Cup Tonight show at about 2.30 a.m., 2.45 a.m. local every night. So I get back to the hotel here at 3 a.m. I sleep between – I do more work. I sleep between maybe 5 a.m. and – 11 a.m. local and that's just what it's been day after day after day and i've been this is by far the most productive world cup i've ever had in terms of the amount of stuff i put out so i'm proud of that i think i've been bumped into more at this world cup than in any this has been very crowded it's been very physically crowded oh, for yeah. me yes a lot of jostling um a lot of uh partly because of the crowds We've talked about it, and I've written about it. We've talked about the way the streets are packed here in in Moscow, you know, before and after games. Um, Nizhny a little bit less so, but there were were still some crowds there. Um, Things will thin out now, of course, now that 
you know, especially the Latin countries, now that they've right. all been eliminated and a lot of those fans are going home. Um, the media centers are just totally overrun. I mean, they're just, they look like, like when you imagine what like, you know, the, the, <laughs> you know, like what, what it was like below on the Mayflower, it was like, you know, two thirds of its way across the Atlantic and, you know, nobody'd showered in two weeks. And Have you gotten scurvy here? Everyone had it, it dude, the media centers are Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> They're so packed and nothing works and there's nowhere to sit and dudes are just taking their shoes off and putting their feet up and falling asleep on the tables and and and, and I mean they're not it's weird. Like there are not a lot of fans um it seems from Europe at this World Cup. But the journalists are here. It's easy for them to get here. Have you seen any journo on journo fights yet? Only when, um, I think I talked about it on the podcast, only when the CBF brought their media guides. Oh, Did I mention, that's yeah, right, when yeah. Brazil, for the Brazil Sabria game, when the Brazilian people brought in um, their yellow boxes of trinkets, yeah. people lost their friggin' minds. And it was funny because I don't think any of the American. Like, we all just kind of sat there, and we're just like, Ugh, I'm too tired. I'm not going to fight for this. I don't have it in me. But, like, they're out there. Like, I don't think any of us – I don't think any of us got one. Um, but uh, Brazilian – and the Brazilians are at every game. The Brazilians are – there. there's, like, like a quarter of the media – of every media center is, is like, people from Globo TV. Yeah, oh, Globo must get, like, 500 like credentials. Screaming into some kind of, like, implement. Like, they're just <laughs> – they are so loud, and they have so much equipment – so I always assume that Oglobo's food writer like gets a credential of the World Cup. You have to get you have to get to a media center if you want a seat, if you want to sit down and work. You have to get there five hours ahead of time, essentially. <laughs> and so you're just there, and and of course it takes an hour to get to the stadium, and you got to go through security. So and then you know the the press conference every the press conferences after are taking much longer too. We we waited, and I think we it felt like we waited an hour last night. That's why the podcast didn't come out until for, 4 for everybody, and so. And so, yeah, so between the crowds on Nikolskaya and elsewhere and, and around Red Square and and the subways and the media centers and the tribunes, I've been – I've just been jostled so many times. And one thing about Russians, lovely people, lovely people, really, I mean that, but they don't hold doors. Really? They don't do it. It's just not a thing here. Okay. And so like that it you realize how things like that, the way you walk through a door, you're so conditioned, you're so chemically and reflexively conditioned to assume like if you're crossing a street, you don't you just you 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 your your DNA expects the car not to speed up and and destroy you, right? That's just <laughs> the way you are. And it just took it took like a solid week week and a half for me to 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 remember that the person in front of me is going to let this door close in my face, and you've got to sort of adjust everything in order to make that happen. So um, yeah, that's that's been my I've I've been um, going to and from these games and these press conferences, and uh, it feels good to sit in this in this golden chair that I'm sitting in now. <laughs> I'm all slouchy. If you could see me, like I look like I have no bones, and I'm just kind of melting, and it feels pretty good. We are in the home stretch of World Cup 2018, Brian. It is July 4th. The final is July 15th. We have had a podcast every day, even on days when there are no games. How are we going to do this, this for 12 more days? 
Um, Unless it's not 12 and I can't add. 11. I think we're already starting to get you basically on the psychiatrist couch. So uh, it, before the tournament is over, we'll be going into that realm. Everyone can listen to me unravel. Well, <laughs> I, I know I mentioned I mentioned Eric Stover's uh, Grant and Brian podcast drinking game the other night. I think one of one of the entries on that was essentially like uh, something happens to me and we don't do a show. <laughs> Because, because there's been some some calamity, and like anyone who knows me, like that real there really is that it really is a fifty fifty proposition that something happens. I for one hope you do not have a calamity, uh, and I I think one of the drinking game uh, drink moments should be when you swear because we almost yeah, got is. through a podcast. Okay, we almost got through a podcast without you doing it, and then you dropped one. What today? You did. You ah, probably shit. don't even realize it. See, that's two. All right. Uh, We're going to call it a day. Happy 4th of July, everyone, if anyone is still listening. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with J.P. Delacamera. Let's bring in our guest today. It is J.P. Delacamera, one of the legends of American soccer and American soccer broadcasting. He's been working throughout this World Cup for Fox Sports. J.P., thanks so much for joining me. Grant, always my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um... We're here in the quarterfinals now, and you've done so many games. Do you know how many at this point? In this tournament? Yeah. Um, I actually don't. I didn't keep track. <laughs> I think it's 11, maybe 12, something like that. Um, but when you do a tournament like this, it's funny. Um, the whole group, everyone will say in the morning, you know, today's Wednesday, isn't it, or Thursday. Like, nobody seems to know what day it is, <laughs> uh, which stadium we were in. We go by... Um, how we're feeling, I guess, on that day. So today we believe is Wednesday, and our next game will be on Friday, Uruguay versus France. Okay. And where's that game? Nizhny Novgorod. That, that'll be our first trip there. Okay. And you're about to take the train from here in Moscow? Yeah. And the train, the train rides here have been interesting. We were only on one from St. Petersburg, and I found it to be a, a great train ride, it's as good as the States, maybe even better. Okay. So I think when people turn on their TVs and see you and Tony Miola calling a game, they may not understand that you are traveling around this country, uh, often on flights that are, as you were just mentioning to me, overbooked by 160, Yep. Uh, often flights that are leaving at odd hours, and just the toll of the travel when you're going, going, going over a month here, mm. that is a lot. Yeah. For the amount of games that we've done, whatever that number was, whether I was correct on 11 or 12, we've had very few trips. Most of our games have been Moscow-based. Okay. Uh, I feel bad for, for John and Stu because they've been hammered on the road. And we only had the one flight at, I think it was 3.15 in the morning it left. That was the departure and got back to Moscow at 5. But they've had several. Mm-hmm. And as I'm recording this podcast with you, they're on a flight that leaves, I believe, at 2 a.m. tomorrow for their next game. So those poor guys, they could probably write a book about uh, air travel in Russia. Ours hasn't been bad. We've had a few flights that were you know, not so good, some delays. We had one flight where there were four gate changes on it, nice. which, which I think is a record for here. Uh, but, but overall, it's been good, and I think um, the Russian people have been fantastic. Um, whether it's hotels or, or airports, for the most part, it's been very good. So you've got Uruguay, France yep. coming up here, which to me is the most interesting uh, of the quarterfinals in terms of contrasting styles. And obviously there's a big question about whether Cavani will be healthy mm. 
when you are preparing for this game, what stands out to you? Well, I think the storylines, these are... These are not two of the favorites coming in. No one had Uruguay, and certainly France was one of them. When everyone said who could win this tournament, France was among the four or five that we thought could win it. Right. Uh, Uruguay is, is better, I think, than we thought. I think we all thought about Suarez, forgetting maybe sometimes about Cavani. Uh, but those of us that follow the game know the threat, the danger of Cavani, certainly. But I think Muslera is better than, than people give him credit for Mm -hmm. I think he's one of the better goalkeepers in this tournament and I think defensively they've always been strong so I mean this is a this is a big one and I think France will come in as the favorite but it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Uruguay were to beat them in in terms of the hardest team to play against rankings I think Uruguay has to be near the top yeah nobody wants to play against them I mean um they all are, are tough players from Godin and Jimenez in the back. You know, Suarez, we know about about him. They're deep, too, I think, deeper than people realize. Jimenez missed a game, but that didn't seem to slow them down. Uh, I think if Cavani can't play, they'll obviously miss him, but, but Suarez alone is a handful. So I, I wouldn't discount them. I think, you know, the other storylines for France, they're such a deep team. I think I didn't realize... I knew they were a solid team, but I don't think I realized how deep they were mm-hmm. until I saw who was left off of the team. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, when you, when you see the guys like Martial mm-hmm. and uh, Lacazette and Benzema, they're not here, and France is still so good. Uh, and the Mbappe story. Like, before it, we all knew teenage sensation, but how does that translate at the World Cup level? It's translating pretty well right now. He really does seem to have the potential at least to be the true breakout star of this yep. World Cup. And that yep. obviously depends on France's results in the coming games. And we, you know, in the soccer world, obviously we know Kylian Mbappe. We've watched him at Monaco. We've watched him at PSG. And yet at PSG, he's kind of the third forward. Yeah, I was going to say the third wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that works. And you, and you don't know how how it develops at the World Cup level, right? So we knew he was a great young player, but would he be a third wheel here, second wheel here? The first game, I think he he started in a more of a different position because uh, Olivier Giroud did not start mm-hmm. the first game that we did against Australia. So now I think he's more more involved in this team. So the next game against a, a tougher foe, Uruguay, who have scouted him, no doubt, how does he play in that game? So if he has a another solid game, then maybe he is the breakout star. Mm-hmm. But what if he doesn't? You know, what if he's shut down? I mean, he's still a terrific young player, but but maybe some of that luster will will come off because when you look at World Cups, look at Messi. You know, what did he do in this World Cup? You know what I mean? Like you look at some of the greatest players that have ever played. And when they get to this big stage, doesn't happen for them. You know, Messi's still he, one of the all-time greats, all-time yeah. greats. And I'm one of those that says, I don't care if he lifts the trophy or not. It doesn't right. tarnish, doesn't tarnish his legacy to me, but it does to some people. Yeah, I will give him credit for what I think is an underrated goal of the tournament. Just in the technical skill required. Oh my, yeah, for the that one he brought down for the first goal against Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean they're out, um, right. and they were and chaotic. Out early. 
out early the whole time i mean yeah. ronaldo was i thought the figure of the first two match days in this right. world cup and right. it seems like it's been a while since portugal was eliminated right um in terms of the other quarterfinals you're just doing one quarterfinal right yes okay um you see england sweden croatia russia and brazil belgium um what stands out to you in those games well, first of all, full disclosure, I'm not very good at predicting at this World Cup, but I'm not sure anyone is, no, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I picked Germany. I think a lot of people picked Germany, even though it's tough to repeat as a World Cup champion, and they were out in the group stage. Uh, Tony Miola was bragging about Spain, and then Russia beat them, even though you know Spain was a better team. So, I mean, when the favorites go out, it's hard hard to pick. But I think Brazil looks very good right now, and they look like yeah. they're getting better. Belgium got a wake-up call, wake-up scare against a very good oh, yeah. Japan side. We don't know what that game took out of them. Uh, does that make them stronger, and now they're ready to go, or does that just kill them You know, with, with all that took place? So I, I do like Brazil over Belgium in that game. I think um, it's tough to bet tough to bet against Russia right now, the way the luck is and all that is going. And, you know, could they possibly, could Russia possibly win another game? Uh, Croatia is a better team. There's no sure. doubt, right? But this is a World Cup that's been tough to predict. You know, same with, with England. I mean, England versus Colombia. Game could have gone either way. It goes to penalty kicks, right? So uh, I think out of all the teams that are left, though, if, if you ask me now to pick a winner, I, I would take Brazil. But I would not bet... A significant amount of money on it because this has been a World Cup. Let's face it, of, of upsets, right? When when it first started, I told friends of mine that there were maybe four or five teams that could win it, mm. and I said if I expanded that pool, I would put Belgium in it. Mm. And I even said if I expanded that pool to like seven or so, I would put England in it, mm. even though I didn't know who their goalkeeper was. I thought that they were going to be better than people gave them credit for this time around mm -hmm. and they're still in it yeah we're getting some background music, music. now and in our this is the first VIP time you've had room music location on your podcast right <laughs> this is good soothing music it is um how do you keep your voice going during a tournament like this when there's a lot of people sick around here yeah, coughing all over the place <clears throat> yeah. stuff like that it's a good question, and I hope you haven't jinxed us. Sorry uh, jinxed about that. Here, but, um, <laughs> now exit the room. I think um, I think you you need to you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. So rest and recovery, just like an athlete, I think is important. Yeah. I mean, if you feel I haven't felt it, um, but if you felt uh, ill, it's best to take something probably yeah. for it, whatever whatever that is. But uh, knock on wood, voice has been always good, like always strong. Yeah. I've never had, I've done games sick in my career, um, you know, where you could feel it, you know, in your voice, but I've never, never lost it or, or was hoarse yeah. until you brought that up. Now it's in my head, but I'm the no, officially I, I think worst person hard. in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You, I'll call you if something happens, but I think that, um, you do try to take care of it. You do try to um, get whatever sleep that you can, yeah. um, hydration. And But I also think you have to be very lucky. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be very lucky. So I, I don't want to discount the luck part of it. How many soccer games do you think you've called in your career? 
as we listen to the soothing music, um, I, I don't know when people have asked me that, but it have to be upwards of 5,000 easily. Wow. Way, way more than that because when I worked at ESPN International, I was under contract and we did like 200 events a year for more than 10 years. Wow. And that's 2,000 right there. So I, I'm guessing. I, I really have no idea. And there's no way to figure it out. There's no way to go back to calendars or there'd be no way to figure it out. You know, yeah. if I if you gave me that as a research project, it would take me a while to figure it out. It's it's incredible. And and even on the podcast before, I suggest folks go back, what was it, maybe a year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, we had a good one. I remember that. We had that. a nice long you know, interview I, yeah. uh, about your career. But um, this is something where you've been doing this at a really high level for a really long time. And I, I just... I guess just want to say how impressive that is and how cool it is to be a colleague of yours here. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been fun. Um, I love what I do, and I think every every tournament you know brings something else. This is a tournament of upsets. It's a tournament of a country that has always fascinated me. You know, from yeah. back to um, when you and I were younger, and there was the the Cold War. I guess right, sure. and we remember the Soviet Union. And, and how it was when the U.S. played Russia in hockey, especially. Mm -hmm. uh, so we remember the, the competition and with all the, the political stuff that's gone on, like in the last few years, you know, it made Russia probably a more interesting destination, you know, politics aside. But um, it's been great here. It's been a, a great tournament, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's been enjoyable. I've enjoyed my interactions with Russians. I've enjoyed the soccer, uh, the storylines. Uh, my sense is with the World Cup at this point, it doesn't need to be the greatest soccer in the world as long as it's good enough. And most of the time, it, in my opinion, it has yeah, been good yeah, enough. Yeah. And just the emotion that people have playing for their country and rooting for their country yeah. makes it something completely different than, say, Champions League. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I'll give you a story. My mother is 91 and, and she's watching all of the games, right? Uh -huh. She wants to see when I'm on camera. She cares more, but I could care less. She wants to see, right? But she said to me one day, I was really rooting for Mexico so much. And uh -huh. I said, why is that? You know, she's an Italian-American. I said, why are you rooting for Mexico? And she said, I watched them during the singing of their anthem. And she said, I could see how passionate they were about the sport. And that's, that was the only reason that, that she wanted them to win. And then mm -hmm. she mentioned to me after some games how the Japanese players were crying yeah. and how other, other players were crying because, you know, you are playing for your country. It's different than playing for a club. It's different than any other competition. And I think people like my mother and others that, that did not grow up in the game see what it means to people. It's not, in this case, it's not about the money. You know, it's definitely not about the money. They're playing for their country. They want to lift the trophy, and, and people see that. JP Della Camera, thanks so much for joining me. Anytime, and let's do the music again. <laughs> I like it. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and JP Della Camera, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It really does help the cause if you do, and we'll see you tomorrow.
Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.